Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, May 7th, 2023, from Luke chapter 24. And actually, this whole church service happened out in Elm Grove Park in Oak Ridge, out in a park where we meet once or twice a year to remember uh, the way that we met as a church during the COVID pandemic. We met outside for 14 months, all spread out, and we go back out into that park once or twice a year just to remember God's faithfulness to us. So this message might sound a little different, and that's because we were outside. Again, this is from Luke chapter 24. Hey, y'all, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. If you want to follow along and folks way in the back, can y'all hear me? Okay. How's it sound? Oh, good. Thumbs up. I like that. Okay. I'm going to ask a question and this is a softball because I already know the answer is yes. The answer is yes for everybody. So don't be afraid. Do you know how it feels to be down? You know how it feels to be like just super, super discouraged. Okay. Uh, this one, maybe not everybody, but have you ever been so down that you don't want to see or talk to anybody? You just want to close the door on the whole world and anybody that shows off, you're probably going to snap on them. Okay. Um, how about this? Have you ever put all your eggs into a basket and then that basket just totally, totally fell through and you have lost your hope? You know how this feels? We're going to get into all of that today. What, what do you do when you are so discouraged you don't want to see anybody or, or deal with anything in the world? And what do you do when you lose your hope? And by the way, where is Jesus in the middle of all that? Okay, before we dig into it, just as a reminder, in these weeks after Easter, we are looking at some post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Why did he show up the way he did? Why did he show up to the people that he did? Why did he say the things that he did and do the things that he did? For me, I... Some of it is curious because if I had been Jesus, risen from the dead, I would have shown up to the governor Pilate's house. I would have gone to King Herod's house. I would have gone to the high priest's house and dunked on all those dudes. It would have been big and showy, and it would have been awesome. But Jesus didn't do that. Everywhere he showed up, he showed up quietly. It was quaint. They were bizarrely normal experiences. He's on a walk with some friends. He's cooking breakfast. He's... Uh, He's having a fireside chat. Jesus, I think, the way that he showed up after he rose from the dead is the way that he still shows up in the lives of the people who know him. Jesus has risen from the dead. This is the new normal. Okay, we've talked about Jesus's conversation with Mary Magdalene. We've talked about his conversation with Simon Peter. And as far as we know, the third appearance on that same day, the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead, was to two people at one time. There were two people who were on their way from the city of Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles away from Jerusalem. We know that one of them was named Cleopas. That's what Luke tells us in Luke chapter 24, that, he, that one of, it says Cleopas and another. There was a, group, there was a, a married couple of people that, that followed Jesus whose names were Clopas and Mary. So it could have been them. Maybe the one that they didn't name was his wife, Mary. We don't exactly know. That's probably who it was, but you know, that's kind of what I think. But anyway, Jesus shows up and they're walking in the evening from Jerusalem to this little village called Emmaus. And it says that Jesus drew near to them and walked with them. 
Now, just in a second, as soon as you start reading it, you find out that they are down and that they have lost their hope and that they are very upset. And I love that the first thing Jesus does is he draws near to them and he walks with them. And I think Jesus always does that. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. So when Jesus's people, when somebody who loves Jesus is down and upset, he draws near to them and he walks with them. The funny thing is, is they were kept from understanding that it was Jesus. They didn't know it was him. Maybe because it was getting dark, maybe because he was the last person in the world they expected to see looking fit and healthy because the last time they saw him, he had been so completely torn apart that there was no way that they were going to recognize him. They didn't, they didn't know it was him or, or, or either that or just they were just kept from recognizing him. But they didn't know it was him. And I think that's often the way it is. When we are upset, when we are down, when we've lost our hope, Jesus comes near and walks with us and we might not even know who it is. We might not even know he's there. And he says to them, so what's up? Like, what have y'all been talking about? And, it, and Luke says that they stood still. They stopped walking. This is how upset they are. They stopped walking. Their faces were downcast. It's the same word that, that Jesus used when he said, when you fast, don't let your face be somber. Like, put a smile on that face. Put some oil in your hair. Put, a, put on a happy face when you fast. It's that exact same word. They were somber. They were downcast. They stood still, and they looked at Jesus, and they were like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, what are you talking about? Are you joking? Are you new? Are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know about these things? What's going on? And, and they're like, what things? And he says, and, the, and Cleopas says, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. And we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. We are down. We are upset. We don't want to be talking to you. And we lost all of our hope. And in that moment, Jesus says, Y'all, you're so foolish and slow to believe everything that the prophets have said. Didn't you know it was always going to be this? That the Messiah had to suffer these things and enter into his glory. And in that moment, Jesus is like, come on, let's keep walking. So they're walking. And, and for however long it took to walk that seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, Jesus did an unbelievably cool thing. He did a survey of the entire Old Testament right there on that walk. The greatest Bible study that had ever been given in the history of the world. Luke says he started with Moses, not necessarily like when Moses enters the story, but with the books of Moses. The first book Moses wrote, Genesis. He starts with Genesis and it says he walked them through all of the prophets. Jesus told them about the Messiah throughout all of the Old Testament. And I'm like, wouldn't you give anything to have heard that? Wouldn't it have been amazing to be on that walk or just to fly on Cleopas's shoulder, just listening to that little Bible study lesson? Jesus is like, he probably started on page three. Do you remember in, in Genesis, after the fall of humanity, when God said to the serpent, this woman right here is going to have a descendant one day and you are going to, you're going to crush his, you're going to bruise his heel and he's going to crush your head. It started there. Where did they put the spikes, Cleopas? 
It was, he was the promised one. This was always going to happen. And marching on through to the promised seed of Abraham that was going to bless the whole world. And then the, the sacrificial Passover lamb. And in fact, the, the whole sacrificial system, all of, the, all of the articles and the ceremonies and the rituals and the outfits and the temple itself, all of it was all pointing to what Jesus would do. It was always going to be this way, guys. Remember in Job chapter 10, verse 4, when Job is crying out to God and he says, God, do you have eyes? Can you see like a man? Well, he did. Remember in Job chapter 16, when he talked about his advocate, when he talked about his intercessor. Remember Job chapter 19, when he talked about his redeemer. It was always going to be this way, guys. Remember, he was going to be the, 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 the one who sits on David's throne forever and ever. He would die, but he would rise. He was the one that, that uh, he was the, the priest in the order of Melchizedek in the Psalms. He was Solomon's fairest of 10,000. He was Emmanuel, the, the child that was going to be born to a virgin that, that Isaiah talked about. And then when Isaiah talked about the suffering servant in 52 and 53, he was the branch that Jeremiah talked about. He was the stone that Daniel said was not cut with human hands, but was going to fill the whole world when he rises. He was the lion that roars for justice through the pages of Amos. And on and on and on. He's the rising sun that Hosea talked about. He's the one, he said, remember in Zechariah when he said, he will look on me, the one that they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And all the way to Malachi, and he said, he, is, he was going to be the refiner's fire and the launderer's soap. Can you imagine hearing that Bible study? It must have been so amazing. But here's... To me, what is so cool is in a moment when you are down and out and you're upset and you've lost your hope, that Jesus comes near and has a message for you, which is that thing that has broken your heart, it was always the part of the plan. Always. And by the way, that thing that has made you lose your hope, it is not the end of the story. Whatever has broken our hearts, whatever has caused you to get down or be upset or lose your hope, it was always part of the plan, apparently, and it's not the end of the story. That is some amazing stuff. But we're not done because it says when they got close to like the little village where they're going, I'm going to read this part. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. Jesus is pretending. He's acting. He's like, I'm going to go, you guys are going in here. Okay, I'm going to go on past down here. And they're like, no, 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 don't do it. And he's only pretending. He knew what he was going to do. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Okay, so they get to the house. Jesus pretends like he's going to go further. And it says that they urged him strongly. That's a word that's used elsewhere in the New Testament to mean persuaded. It's a word that, it's a compound word that takes the word beside and the word force. They persuaded him. They urged him. They forced him to stay with them and to come into the house where they were. 
Okay, the reason I think that's such a big deal is that if you want a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to do anything but take it. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a complete and total free gift. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to pay for all of the penalty of all of our wrong, to pay for all of our guilt and shame when he died on the cross in the way that he did. And then he rose from the dead for our justification so we can be right before God. And he offers to anyone who wants it a complete and total free gift. You don't have to clean your life up to get it. You don't have to make any promises to God about how you're going to live after you take it. You don't have to do anything but to say, I know that I need a new life, and I believe that you died for me. If you're offering me a free gift, a new heart, a new start, a place in your home forever, I take it. It's completely and totally free. You don't have to do anything. Amen? Okay, but even though it's a completely and totally free gift, and by the way, if you've never done it, you could do it right now under the red oaks in this park. You could say to him, I need it, I want it, I take it, and it would be yours completely. But even though it's a completely and totally free gift, I believe there are times in your life, you don't have to pay for your relationship with Jesus, but sometimes, sometimes, you might have to fight for it. You're going to have times where you are discouraged, where you are upset, where you have lost your hope, and you might have to fight to hold on to what you have in Jesus. He gives it to you for free, but sometimes you might have to urge him. Sometimes you might have to persuade him. Sometimes you might have to force him and say, I am discouraged and I am down and I have lost my hope and you need to get down here and help me. Sometimes, even though it's free, you don't have to pay for it, but sometimes you might have to force him, come down here, Lord, and help me. I cannot do today by myself. I cannot do this moment without you. I need you. And when they did it, he said, okay, I'll come in. And he goes in and he takes the place of the the, the authority and the home. He breaks the bread and blesses it. And something in the way that he did that, their eyes were open. They saw it was him. And they were like, wait a minute. So it was you all along? You've been here with us this whole time? And boom, he disappeared. And then they just talked about how much their hearts were warmed. Sometimes when you're down and discouraged, sometimes when you are at the end of your rope and you've lost your hope, one thing that you might not know is that Jesus draws near to you and he's been walking with you the whole time. Everything that got you down and broke your heart was always part of the plan. Everything that's made you lose your hope, the story does not end there. And sometimes you might have to fight and urge and persuade him to come down and help you. And maybe when you do, you'll find out he's been here all along. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our chance to be together. Thank you for a chance to celebrate your faithfulness to us and the way that you allowed us to meet together in person and sing together and see each other's faces through that whole ridiculous business. We are so grateful for the ways that you have been faithful to us. And we thank you that in the midst of whatever has us down or has broken our hearts, that it's always been part of the plan. It's not the end of the story that you're near us and you walk with us. And we can ask you, we can compel you, we can persuade you, we could force you to come and help us. And I think you love that kind of faith. Thank you. I'm broken down
I need you. I need. 